When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the latest edition of ESPN FC. I'm Dan Thomas, joined by Ali Moreno. Later on in the show, we'll be reflecting on Barcelona just Woo! making it through to the next round of the Copa del Rey. Plus, Stevie and Mario here talk about a very impressive performance from Spurs as they beat Palace 4-0. We start off, though, with a soap opera, a telenovela. How are you want to describe it surrounding U.S. soccer at the moment? What a 24 hours it has been. But I just want to take it back. Of course, the World Cup was all about, well, why isn't Gio Reyna playing more? Well, in a conference on December the 11th, remember, there were comments leaked from off-the-record leadership conference uh, that Greg Berhalter almost sent this unnamed player home Who is for that? the World Cup over disruptive uh, behaviour. Quickly, people put two and two together, and of course, Equo Gio Reyna, who responded the next day uh, saying that he was the player in question. Fast forward now to yesterday. Greg Berhalter released a statement admitting to domestic violent incident in now wife from 1991. Berhalter claims info was shared with US Soccer to take him down. US Soccer then quickly announced ongoing investigation into allegations against Greg Berhalter and then today Danielle Rayner, Gio Rayner's mum, confirmed she shared information about domestic violence incident with U.S. Soccer's Ernie Stewart on a call on December the 11th. Uh, This is what she said. I thought it was especially unfair that Gio, who had apologised for acting immaturely about his playing time, was still being dragged through the mud when Greg had asked for and received forgiveness for doing something so much worse at the same age. So much to unpick here as we welcome in Sebastian Salazar. Uh, Seb, let's just start with the overview of all this. Mm. It's bonkers, isn't it? Bonkers is one word. Uh, sad. It's, it's sad that we have to deal with the admission from a national team manager that he committed an act of domestic violence back in 1991. It's embarrassing uh, for all of us that cover the sport here to see the way in which this has come to light. But I think it's a perfect reflection of what American soccer is. And I know Al is in the studio, and, and I'm curious to get his thoughts on this, because I know as a parent he's been a part of this. One of the things that I always talk about when we talk about the problems in American soccer is that youth soccer is not about development. It's about profit. And when you have a profit business, you need customers. And the customers in this case are the parents. And so these parents go through an entire decades-long process, and they feel entitlement And I think that's what we see here from Gio Reyna's parents, specifically his mother, Danielle Reyna, who has come out and said that she was the one that told this very personal information, private information that she had to Ernie Stewart, which triggers uh, events, a chain of events that eventually opens an investigation into Greg Berhalter's past. I think this is something that you would only see in American soccer. Not that we haven't seen parents steal headlines before when the French national team goes out at the last European championships, right? I think it was... Uh, Adrian Rabio's mom and, and Kylian Mbappe's parents were caught going at it. 
But this is behind the scenes, and this is what you get when you have a culture of rich, entitled parents who are backing the players, even the best players that we have in the American pool. And of course it happens in youth soccer, happens at the U12 level, the high school level. No surprise it's going to happen on the World Cup stage. But it is very, very embarrassing from an American soccer perspective. To Sebi's point, we've all been there. We've been on the sideline with our children, and we know the sort of people that he's talking about. But this is the Rayner family. Mm-hmm. This is someone who knows soccer inside out. Royalty, one would suggest, within the landscape of U.S. soccer. And so uh, there's so many things that go into this. The, the way that the reports are coming out, the way that the, you read the articles and the information that is coming from all sorts of different sources, you would paint a picture of Greg Berhalter and Claudio Reina being best buddies forever. Mm-hmm. What I'm thinking is that in between the lines, while they may have been close and may still have been close even up to the World Cup, if you're best buddies forever, guess what? You reach the phone, you know, this, yes. this piece of technology that has revolutionized commu- communication, oh. and you call this person. Or, even better, let's go old school. Hey, let's have a coffee. All right. Let's talk about this. Because if we're best buddies forever, we should be able to do this. This tells me that there are complexities to this relationship that we don't quite understand. And there's so much intertwined over the last three decades that they have known each other that goes beyond, hey, we're, we're best buddies and, and we're unable to communicate with a phone call, mm. having a coffee, or whatever the case may be. The fact that this plays out publicly in the manner in which it has, it has gotten out of control. There's been a breach of trust from both, from Bearhalter, in that he essentially put Gio Reyna out there in the manner in which he did. And then now, beyond all these complexities, beyond all these layers and intertwined relationships, I think, and I don't want to oversimplify this because we're talking about people's lives here, and relationships as well, real relationships, This is a mother protecting her kid. It really is. And when it comes down to it, this is a mother that her, in this case, Greg Verhalter, say what he was saying about Gio Reyna, and she is saying, "Uh uh-uh, no, you're not doing that to my baby. You're not doing that to my kid. You're not going to do that. You want to dance? I can dance, and I have this information because, oh, by the way, when we go to intertwined relationships, she was a teammate of Greg Berhalter's wife back in the day in college. And so there's so much, so many moving parts, but at the core, a breach of trust Mm. and then a mother defending her kid. An emotional relation, an emotional decision, of course. And I wouldn't go about it this way. I don't think it's the correct way to go about it. But this is, I think, when you really get through all the layers, you look at a mother that is not accepting the fact that Greg Berhalter can publicly do the things that he was doing to her son, and she was just going to sit there and take it. She makes this decision. I think it's a regrettable decision, but it's one that you can see where it's coming from. And you can see what her thought process was. It doesn't make it right. It doesn't, it doesn't put her 
or the reinas in a, in a good light, and it doesn't represent Gio Reina in the best manner, I think it makes this even worse than it was to begin with. And of course, it all became public when Greg Berthold's initial comments were leaked. This was Gio Reina's response to it at the time. And as Ali said, you can just see mm. this coming from the family as well. Coach Berhalter has always said that issues that arise with the team will stay in-house so we can focus on team unity and progress. I love my team. I love representing my country, and I'm focusing now on improving and growing as a soccer player and a person. Uh, let's talk about where this incident leaves both Bearholt and Reina regarding their future. Starting off with Bearholt, Seb, obviously he's out of contract. You've just come off a call with US Soccer. Just take us through it. Right, so on the call, uh, Cindy Parlocone, the president, JT Batson, the CEO, and Ernie Stewart, the sporting director. Uh, Ernie Stewart, who was asked about it directly, said that Greg Berhalter is still under consideration for the national team manager uh, role moving forward. That is, of course, pending the results of the investigation. Now, the CEO, JT Batson, was asked directly how he felt about it, and he said he would be uncomfortable commenting on Berhalter's candidacy until this investigation is complete. So clearly this investigation will impact uh, what comes uh, and what happens with Greg Berhalter. In the meantime, as you see there on the screen, uh, Anthony Hudson will take over on an interim basis. He has, of course, been an assistant under Greg Berhalter. He's worked uh, with the New Zealand national team as well. He'll take over for the January camp and the two friendlies that the U.S. has. Uh, he'll also be joined by another member of Greg Berhalter's staff and Mikey Varis, who is the very successful coach of the under-20 team. That will be the trio that at least in an interim basis will be leading the U.S. men's national team as this investigation unfolds. Because I really think, guys, until the investigation is complete, we won't have an answer on Greg Berhalter. It's very clear from what we heard today uh, in this press conference, in this media call, and what we've heard in the reports over the last couple of weeks, Greg Berhalter is a candidate to maintain his job as the national team manager. And so until this investigation is cleared up, his candidacy can't really be looked at uh, with a clean slate. What does your gut say, Seb? I don't think there's any way that Greg Berhalter can continue as the U.S. men's national team manager. I think there's no way that U.S. soccer can give him a second contract now. Uh, I understand that the headline here for a lot of people is blackmail. I want to make something very clear. Greg Berhalter didn't use the word blackmail in his statement. U.S. soccer didn't use the word blackmail in their statement. It's very interesting that Greg Berhalter chose to release this information, because let's not forget, this was not leaked by Danielle Reyna. This was not leaked by U.S. Soccer. This story was told by Greg Berhalter via a statement on an unverified, brand-new Twitter account. Imagine the rush that Greg Berhalter must have been under to get his side of the story out if that's how he chose to tell this story. <laughs> I don't believe that U.S. soccer can continue, and they might not care what I think, but I think we've seen in the past sponsors carry a lot of weight when it comes to U.S. soccer decisions. And I can't imagine them seeing that the national team manager, whether the act was in 1991, I think is irrelevant here, has only recently admitted to an act of domestic violence. I don't think sponsors will go for it, and I think that will mean that U.S. soccer, whatever comes of this investigation, uh, will not be will not be moving on with Greg Berhalter as the national team manager. There's just simply too much baggage now. There's just simply too much for U.S. <coughs> soccer to, to kind of turn a blind eye and, and turn their back on information that is now available that wasn't available in the past. And, and uh, I'm going to be very careful with this. 
if they felt strongly enough about the results in the World Cup and strongly enough about the future of the United States men's national team, somehow this would be explained away. But I already think that there is a feeling and leaning in the direction towards it's probably not the best idea to keep Greg Berhalter. And this only just provides that final push. And that you don't need this going forward. You don't need this conversation. You don't need the relationship of Gio Reyna and Greg Berhalter to be at the center stage of every single call-up. Because guess what? Gio Reyna will be around for another decade. Right. And he, if he continues to develop at the rate that we think he will... He's going to be the best player in this team for years to come. So if it is a race of who's going to outlast Gio Reyna or Greg Berhalter, well, it's clear that Gio Reyna is going to be involved with the national team much further along the, along the line than Greg Berhalter will. And so if you're the U U.S. soccer, I think you go with a clean start. And you start a clean process, you start a clean project, and you're thinking about what's ahead. And, of course, the excitement of what's ahead is that 2026 World Cup, which you will be hosting. You cannot, you cannot take away from what this experience will be because you're dealing with accusations, with drama, with primetime soap opera. You don't need that. And even if we're thinking about four years ahead of time, I'm thinking in the whole process. I'm thinking about in the development of Gio Reyna. I'm thinking about the development of this U.S. men's national team, of this young team that people get excited about. I think the team deserves a clean start. For, the, for whoever the new coach will be? Yes. How much does what's happening now affect what you do like, with Gio Reyna in the future? Uh, well... I think at some point, uh, Gio Reyna would have to have, if, if it hasn't happened already, a conversation with the parents. And, and this is a conversation that I thought was going the other way. I thought it was Claudio Reyna and his wife, Daniel Reyna, having a conversation with Gio Reyna and saying, hey, buddy, we've got to show a little bit more maturity. I know they, he told you you weren't going to be involved, but you're still part of the team. You've got to make yourself available. You're still representing your country. You're, this is the World Cup. This is, not the world to, this is not the way to react. Apologize, move forward, and be ready to go for the next game. I can picture that that was a conversation that took place. I don't know that for certain, but I would hope that that would be the conversation. Now the conversation has to go in the other direction, in which Gio has to say to Claudio and his mom, I'm a big boy, right? You know what? You, you got to let go. You got to let go. I'm a big boy, and I got to take care of myself. I got to take care of my career. And you've put me in a position where I can be really successful. And you've given me opportunities, and you provided me opportunities. But from here on out, it's on me. Let me do it. Come and support me. Come and help me whenever you can. But when it comes to my career, it's me. It's my responsibility. And let me be. Let me fly. And whatever happens, it's on me, not on anybody else. Uh, going forward, uh, Seb, obviously there'll be a lot of names being thrown into the hat, but doesn't it just make sense? You wait for Jesse Marsh to leave Leeds, bish bash bosh, he'll take you to 2026. Yeah, Jesse Marsh has said as much that he, he would love to at some point have the U.S. men's national team job. I think the reality is, though, as long as he's at Leeds, um, he, he's not leaving. He's not leaving a Premier League job to come back to the U.S. men's national team. Now, 
maybe that changes. Maybe his situation at Leeds changes. Um, and if it does, I think he would be the leading candidate. He's um, not just well-liked within the Federation, but I think also very well-respected across American soccer. And one of the few American coaches that has any type of European coaching pedigree. So I think he would be at the top of my list, and I think he'd probably be uh, right there at the top of the Federation's list as well. Thank you very much, guys. Um, we've seen Jeff Carlyle working tirelessly on uh, this story. Be sure to check out his article over on the website that breaks down everything you need to know as to what led up to this incredible public fallout. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yeah, what a result then for Antonio Conte's side. Spurs demolishing Crystal Palace in the second half there, winning by four goals to nil and taking all three points. Just taking a look at what that means then. Regards to their position in the Premier League, and it's looking much stronger, isn't it, before uh, after the kick-off than we saw before, as they currently sit fifth in the table, two points adrift of Manchester United. Well, for more on this, let's welcome in, shall we? James Ollie's with us, as is Mario Malchior. We'll start with Mr. Stevie Nichols, shall we? Hey, where's this been? <laughs> uh, good question. Um, I, would, I would suggest that the, the blueprint for today, uh, Spots try and carry that on. Yes, they gave an early chance, but the truth is they started the way that we expect them to against sides that they're supposed to beat, particularly away from home. You know, anybody that wants to be in the top four has to go to places like Palace and win. And they started well in the first half and they started like a train. On the, and they started the second half. Get 2-0 up and the game's dead. That absolutely has to be the, blu- the, the blueprint for the side. And whatever Conte said, whatever Conte did, whatever he put in the player's head, whatever the players were focusing on before the first half and before the second half, that has to be what they follow between now and the end of the season. Because this was a performance of a team 
that that wants to be in the top four. As I said, you've got to go to places like Palace and win if that's what you want to do. Uh, and they showed today what they're capable of. Unfortunately for Conte, now the fact that he's got his team started uh, from the beginning, the fact that Spurs have actually done it from the beginning, there's no excuses anymore. We know they can do it. They've shown us they can do it. Now they have to do it every week and every time they step on the field. Uh, if you look through the Premier League teams, I think it's difficult to argue that there's any other player that's as important to a side than mm-hmm. Harry Kane is for Spurs. Yeah, and while I understand what Steve is saying in terms of the good start that Spurs had in this game, that good start only lasted for about 15, 20 minutes. Then after that, it was all Crystal Palace to the point to where I think Spurs were fortunate to not be down at halftime. In fact, at halftime, there's no chance that you would have convinced me that either one of these teams were going to win 4 nothing, And certainly, it didn't look like Spurs were going to beat Crystal Palace 4 nothing. It wasn't that type of game. But to your point about Harry Kane, the difference between a team like Crystal Palace today and Spurs is the fact that you have a guy like Harry Kane who is indeed an elite striker, a world-class striker. And the second goal, while it may not be spectacular to some people, it is world-class finish. The first touch is clean, the second touch is even better, and that puts the game away. The first goal, football, he goes and gets it. But the second goal is the one that tells you that's the difference between a guy who can score a goal, can beat a team, can carry a team with his important goals, and then a team that simply doesn't have that in Crystal Palace. Harry Kane is critically important. We know that to Spurs. But when he's producing like this, and I think he is far better off when he's actually inside the 18-yard box. I know he likes to sort of come and play make a little bit. But when you see him do this inside the 18-yard box, it's an argument to say to Harry, Harry, don't drop over here. Don't drop over here. I know you want to help the team, but you're far more useful when you're doing this sort of thing and having this sort of productivity inside the 18-yard box. Mario, what is it about Harry Kane that makes him so difficult to defend? It's like, you know, what Brad Friedel said to me once. He said, um, when you do the shooting job at training with him, he always hits the target. You know, like you have players that shoot, shoot the ball what, over the, the bar or they sit really far out, but he always hits the target, so he always gets the, the goalkeeper to work. And what Ali just said, the second goal, uh, when, he, when he comes into the box, the way he hits it, he knows he only has got that little small pocket to hit it. And look how he hits it with so much confidence, so much belief. And I think... Um, just it, it's all the goal needed. So if you want to play against a guy like him, even when you think you're in the game and every defender had that moment that you think, oh man, I got this player and he will pop up and does something to you. And when he does something to you, it feels a lot of pain because you feel like you lost the game, regardless if you win the game, but Harry Kane scored again and you don't want that from the get-go. Uh, remember when I said he was a one-season wonder, Stevie? Uh, this is a player. Oh, We're not even yes. halfway through the season. He's already uh, got, what, 15 Premier League goals? World-class. He would get a game in any team on the planet. Absolutely, no question. Uh, and he's been like that for a while, let's be honest. Everything, everything he does at his best is, is world-class. And the finish. I mean, the finish is textbook. Across The only place he's going to score is across a goalkeeper. Not only does he put it in the right spot, but the pace that's on it. And, of course, there's, there's no backlift whatsoever to give the goalkeeper a, half, a, half a chance to, to try and get there. So every single thing about it and every single thing about Harry Kane just smells of, of just world class. 
James, where do we stand on Kane's future? Obviously, last summer we were discussing the possibility of him going to Bayern Munich. Two summers ago, we were talking about the possibility of him going to Manchester City. This is a player, obviously, who would love to stay at Spurs and bring some trophy wear home. But that's looking less and less likely, given what we've seen from him over the past few seasons. Yeah, well, look, I mean, if Tottenham had their way, he would sign a new contract tomorrow. Um, they've tried to talk to him about it. I think he's tried to sort of kick the can down the road to some extent and see where they are at the end of the season. Look, Harry Kane is, I think, a couple of goals away now from being Tottenham's all-time record goal scorer. He's tied now with England's uh, record at an international level. He's going to probably break the Premier League record just a matter of time if, if he stays in England. Individual records, I don't think, really matter to him anymore. He turns 30 this year. He wants to win silverware. He wants to win trophies. And he's going to need to be convinced that that, that, that the best place for him to do that is at Tottenham. And I think that's why this window and maybe the start of the summer and obviously everything that happens in between on the pitch is going to be absolutely vital and the decisive elements as to whether Harry Kane decides to push for a move again or not in the summer. His options are obviously limited. He, he wanted to go to Manchester City um, at, at that time and obviously that was before they signed Erling Haaland. Now Haaland's there. You can't see City being an option. So his options are probably narrowed to some extent. Maybe Manchester United might look at him in the summer. Chelsea, I know, were keen at the time but there's obviously a complication there with them being London rivals. So really, Kane's future is very much in the balance. He's All he's doing really on an individual level in terms of his future is advertising he's absolutely the top of his game as everyone else has said everybody would love to have him pretty much in their side unless you've already got Erling Haaland so Kane will will determine where he plays to some extent he he did ask for a a move that move didn't materialise I think he'll push harder if Tottenham miss out on the top four and they look as far away as as they often have done from winning a trophy uh, well, obviously, he is the man when it comes to Antonio Conte's side. We'll be talking a lot about his attitude, his post-match press conferences, basically all of his personality feeding into this Spurs side, which you just feel is nowhere near where it should be at the moment. However, this 4-0 win obviously helps. What did he say after today's game, James? Where does we see his future? Well, I was in his press conference for the pre-match yesterday and it was sort of half an hour of, of, of almost saying everything. So I'm happy, but I could leave. I'm getting what I want, <laughs> but I want more. You know, you could. we were all sat there afterwards saying you could kind of write this almost any way you want to. If you want to say you're thinking about leaving, you could write that. If you want to say he's happy, then he's, he kind of said he was happy. So uh, my understanding is the club don't know what he's going to do. So... And there is a bit of a battle for wills going on at the moment. And I, and I thought it was interesting tonight that when you listen to the away fans, you know, they were singing that they wanted Levy out at nil-nil. They were singing it at three-nil. They were singing it at four-nil that they want Daniel Levy out. But they were singing Antonio Conte's name. And I don't think every Tottenham fan is completely sold on Antonio Conte in terms of the type of football. But you cannot argue with his track record and what he delivers and the calibre of player that he can attract with his relationship with Fabio Paratici, with those two working together, you know, that is a cut above what they could probably get otherwise. So, look, make no mistake, Conte wants more players. He wants to accelerate the process, as he calls it. You know, he wants to bring in proven quality winners to change the mindset of Spurs and really help them take that final step to really challenging on a consistent basis for the Premier League title. They are two, three, four players away from that, you would say, at the very least at the moment. January's a a, a difficult window at the best of times. They're not going to get all those players in now. 
But I think there's, on the one hand, that Antonio Conte is demanding more investment, more players. And on the other hand, Daniel Levy and Joe Lewis are saying, well, look, we are, the club is for sale. We are trying to, to, to get new investment in. We have habitually not just thrown the kitchen sink at the transfer market. We've given you quite a lot. We've spent, I think, $170 million in the summer. Obviously, before that, they brought in Kulisevsky. They brought Ben Tanker in as well. They have backed him to, to, to a significant extent. And they think he should be getting a little bit more out of the squad with that investment than he has to this point. But when they go and win 4-0 away at Crystal Palace and they've got several players out and they produce a second-half performance like they have, that kind of strengthens Conte's hand to say, well, look, you know, we're on the right track here. You keep giving me what I want and this is only going to get better. Yeah, but the problem with that, James, it's like... If you've got your girlfriend who won't commit to you, but you still buy her a Ferrari because you think that's going to help her stay, there's no suggestion that Conte is going to stay long term because he's still refusing to, of course, sign this new contract. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, but they have. It makes sense in my head. Well, they haven't bought him a Ferrari. They, they've bought him a Volvo. He's quite happy with a Volvo because he used to have a Skoda, but he wants the Ferrari. And he's saying, well, actually, you should be taking me to better places than this Volvo. And if you give me a better ride in the Volvo, I'll buy you a Ferrari. Uh, by the way, ESPN FC likes Volvo, Skodas and Ferraris at all cars. Whoever's girlfriend, apparently. So where do we stand, Mario? Top hey, four of Spurs hey, in the hey. hunt? Oh, where, where do we stand? You know what the, what the situation is? Spurs has been fighting for a long time to get their main man in. Now, okay, after Nuno took the job, he already contested no. Now they get him. They, he exp- I, I am clearly sure, and I'm almost on. Before he took the job, he must have looked at certain things, and we all know Levy. Levy doesn't give money just randomly to to coaches. They always have to do something before they're gonna get a, a little bit. Okay, 2008, I was there. They brought in a team. Oh, so many young stars. Okay, they end up bringing a trophy. That was the last trophy they won. So now they got to go to the next stage. And the next stage is bringing a main man in like Conte. And he's not moving around like a regular coach would be. He opens his mouth. He says what he wants to say. Why does he do that? Because in a way, either you back me or you let me go. He's at that position and he does not care being at the position. And I think now Levy has been like that himself for a long time, but now he's meeting someone that is almost identical to him. So this show, it's going to be really interesting to see what's going to happen right now, because if not, if they don't do anything uh, right now while the market is open, it's going to be an interesting uh, ending, I think. Go on, Stevie. What, what has Antonio Conti spot since he got there done in order to... To show Levy or, or Joe Lewis or anybody else that what he's doing, they have to go and sign players. Because they've been terrible to watch since he got there. When have we ever sat here and went, I'll tell you what, if only they had two or three more players, this team would be fantastic. This team would be fighting against City and Liverpool for the title and they could do well in Europe. If only he had a couple more players, if only Levy would back them. Because this team is so good that it's just missing a cut. When was it? We've never said that. And the fact that this guy has conned everybody into, into talking about how, well, it's two or three more players and then we can start doing this. How about you actually do something with what you've got and you actually push the fans to be pushing Levy and everybody else to back you because of the way your team's playing? One result away at Crystal Palace isn't enough for somebody to turn around and say, well, there you go, Levy, now you need to back me. I mean, come on, we need to see some consistency at, at a certain level of football. 
And I'm not talking about, listen, it's about winning results. We all know that. But at the end of the day, we need to see some football. And you can't, you cannot turn round and say that Antonio Conte has delivered football at Tottenham Hotspurs. What are the fans saying, James? You said that they're obviously very much vocalising about it, uh, about not happy with Levy in charge, but they can't be happy with what sort of football Antonio Conte has served up, or is that as a result of the fact that he can't because of the players that he's dealing with? Well, you've got to remember that a lot of the, the uh, irritation with Daniel Levy and, and the sort of um, mindset of the ownership predates Antonio Conte. I mean, I, I, you know, we're talking a lot about Harry Kane and how good he's been tonight. Uh, it reminded me a little bit of how good they were when they were at their best under Jose Mourinho. You know, they were set up, they were fairly compact, and then Kane and Son. I'm, I'm not a massive fan of XG. I think some people sort of overplay the importance of it, but it's quite indicative of the fact that they didn't create a lot of chances under Mourinho, but Son and Kane outperformed their expected goals hugely. It was ridiculous. And tonight, Tottenham's expected goals was about 1.7 and they scored four, and that was because of the quality of Harry Kane and, and, and Jungmin Son in the final third. So, you know, a lot of these issues date back to, well, OK, we've got these two fantastic players, but can we go and add, you know, a central midfielder? Can we add a wide player? Can we, is the, is the defence strong enough to really give those two players the platform to go and, you know, to go and win leagues? I mean, it, this comes down to what type of club do Tottenham want to be? Do they want to just stay in the top four? Do they want to have Champions League football? Do they want to have one of the best stadiums in the world and just keep ticking over? Or do they want to take that final step? And Mauricio Pochettino talked a lot about this in his final season. When they reached the Champions League final, he was saying, you know, we need to go to the next level. This this can't be seen as, oh, look, we've reached the top and here we are. This needs to be the start of the next stage, the next level of investment. And you could go back 10 years. Remember when at the start of the, well, no, the 2011-12 season, Tottenham were top of the league in the January window and they didn't back Harry Redknapp at the time. He wanted, I think it was... Um, Carlos Tevez and Gary Cahill and he got um, Nelson and Saha on free transfers and they didn't sustain it and it's always been this issue with Tottenham that they don't quite invest they don't risk themselves financially and I'm not advocating someone blowing up and spending two, three hundred million that they don't have but it's taking that extra step that extra financial risk prioritising the football the here and now over the business just a little bit more to give them what they need, the ammunition and the firepower that we need. Stevie's absolutely right. The football's not been great under Antonio Conte, and you could certainly make an argument for he should be getting much more out of what he's already got. But the, the argument that predates all of that is that Tottenham don't spend enough and they don't invest enough in their squad to enable them to compete at a level which their stadium and their training ground and their fans now demand. If, if the argument indeed predates as James Hall is saying here, that Antonio Conte, and that he knew that Levy wasn't going to spend a lot of money and that Spurs as a club do not spend a lot of money. Simple question. Why do you take the job? Maybe they were promises. Huh? What? Maybe, uh -huh. maybe they were promises. Oh, uh, yeah? yeah? Is this, is this yeah. your girlfriend coming back around? No, there's no promises. <laughs> okay, look, listen. Why take the job if, if you're going to come into the job and complain about you're not getting money? You, if you study Spurs... For any length of time, you would know that this is the reality of the club and this is how they operate and have operated in the past, near past. And when you think about Antonio Conte and you think the things that he's been able to achieve over the course of his career, you give him a team, you expect that team to not only be competitive but actually produce the sort of performances that you expect, right? It's, it's just simple as that. 
So if you're Antonio Conte, you take on that responsibility. I'm taking this team forward. And the expectations are there. The last thing that anybody, anybody wants to hear is excuses about, I don't have this guy, and I don't have that guy, and I don't have that guy. If you don't feel like this guys that you had available, the player personnel available, was not good enough for you to provide this team and this club with results and performance, don't take the job. But don't come and take the job and then complain about what you didn't have. You knew what you had coming into. Nobody forced you to take the job. You took it. It's now your responsibility to take this team forward. Uh, and, of course, he did last season get them into the Champions League. According to the bookies, they are 3-1. to one. To do that again behind the likes of Manchester United, Newcastle and Liverpool. Big blow, though, for Liverpool, wasn't it, coming out over the last 24 hours. Virgil van Dijk sort of be out for several weeks. Uh, The injury more complicated than first thought, Stevie. Obviously, it's a big blow. Mm. Is it the sort of blow that could prove Liverpool not in the top four come the end of the season? Well, I I think, to be honest, we were talking about the way Liverpool are playing right now and certainly the results they're getting and how they're going about the business. Uh, even with Virgil van Dijk, there was question marks about the top four. Uh, so clearly, without him, it has to be more difficult. So nobody's going to turn around and say that it's going to be easier without Virgil van Dijk. Uh, so yes, it's a blow. Um, and it's, <laughs> it's a hole that I'm not sure right now they have the personnel to fill. Uh, certainly with the way the team's playing. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not playing in a way that, that makes the back four secure. Uh, it's not playing in a way that that the opposition isn't putting pressure on the back four because game after game, uh, that's what's been happening. So nothing's going to change in the near future, certainly with without Virgil van Dijk uh, and Liverpool right now. Liverpool right now, in my mind, are actually a better version of Leeds United. It's hear them, scare them, it's get after it, and when you lose it, it's a cavalry charge back, pretty much. Can you remember the last time you had fun on a bike ride? Lecture e-bikes, the number one seller of e-bikes in America, is here to bring fun and joy back to biking. Their riders routinely say they feel like kids again riding these bikes. And one even said, I'm a 46-year-old man and can honestly say I haven't had this much fun on a bike since I was 10 years old. These e-bikes from Electric are fast, up to 28 miles an hour. They offer lightweight and foldable e-bikes so you can easily take them on the go to explore national parks, campgrounds and more. Even if you don't have a truck, trailer or bike rack, many of their models will fit in the trunk of a car. They also offer long-range batteries that provide over 65 miles of range so you can explore further and longer. Head over to electricebikes.com today and take their bike quiz to find a model that's perfect for your needs. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. 
Just the one Premier League game on Thursday, but what a match it is. Chelsea against Manchester City at Stamford Bridge. Chelsea all over the place at the moment. City looking to close the gap on Arsenal at the top of the table. I tell you what, Mario, this should be brilliant, shouldn't it? Oh, it's going to be great. I mean, you know why I think it's going to be great? Because I think Chelsea is in a situation where they don't like to be. You know, when you play at home and you're meeting a big team like that, um, you don't need no preparation. When we was, we will be there um, in, in the dressing room, but normally it's very quiet. Why? Because you are not at the position now that you have the confidence in the sense that it doesn't matter who's coming. You know you're going to boss around and making sure that you win the game. This is not the point at the moment. The point now is if Chelsea would draw this game, people will say to them, yeah, it's a fair result. It's a result they needed. But Chelsea is not in that situation that that is going to be good enough for them because as a team, you're not that anymore. You're a team now that has to go and win against the big boys. And City is coming maybe too early because, you know, like, Potter, what he has showed me so far, and I was the guy that clearly said to him, like, yeah, he should have taken a job. Why would you not take that? You know, you got to take the challenge on. But now it's going to be some quick, big, big question marks for him to see if he can handle it because you don't want to be outclassed by uh, Pep Guardiola by a tactical setting. Like, let's say if Lewis plays and he plays him as a right back, but they use him in the middle of the park, what are you going to answer then? Are you going to put another midfielder in there? So all those kind of tactical things, I hope that's not going to be uh, going against him. James, the general consensus from pretty much everyone on the show when it was announced that Potter would take over from Tuchel was that this was a good appointment for the future of Chelsea. What's gone wrong? Well, there were probably three things that contributed to Thomas Tuchel being sacked uh, in terms of how Chelsea sort of stopped being effective. One was that they lacked an effective centre-forward. The second one was they didn't have Kante fit enough. And the third one was that their, their wing-backs were out injured too often. All three of those problems are still affecting Chelsea, and that's really contributed to Graham Potter not being able to, to stamp his authority on the team or really come into a team that's settled in its own skin and knows how to get the best out of itself that he can then try and adapt and change and mould in his own image. So, really, he's been scrambling from the get-go to try and get a, 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 you know his best eleven. I don't think he knows what his best eleven is. I think there's been a lot of rotation to try and find that out. You know, even things like, you know, Mark Cucurella, who you brought in, and they spent a lot of money on Cucurella, 62 million on the basis that he could play on the left-hand side of a back three. He's not really played in that position very often under the manager where he played in that position uh, of Brighton. So he's still trying to work things out. And I do have a lot of sympathy with him because right from the get-go, I mean, he, you know, his appointment, the day he was appointed was the day that the Queen died here in, in England. So, you know, right from the minute one, he was kind of, oh, well, that got delayed. And then that meant that he, that got pushed back a day, which meant training got pushed back. And then he was straight into a game. And then he was playing and playing and playing. And then he lost the players for the World Cup. And then they've come back now. And so I, I do have some sympathy with him. But you would have expected there would be a little bit more of a sense of his own stamp on the team and, and a bit more identity about them, um, even given all of those issues. And what would alarm me the most, I think, is that, you know, Chelsea have been bullied a little bit in matches recently. And that's something that you, you've never associated with them in, in the whole of the Roman Abramovich era. They were absolutely ironclad, really rock solid, even when they had the difficult moments. They didn't very rarely, OK, they down tools now and again, I suppose, for the odd manager. But, you know, you think of Chelsea nine and a half times out of ten, they are strong, they are resilient 
and they fight and they haven't they they've been out for in matches and, and that would be a, a biggest source of concern i think for me more than anything else tactically because of all the other reasons if they're not fighting for you then there's going to be a problem because although i think we all said here that potter was a good appointment a progressive manager nice guy you know great that an english man in the english premier league gets a chance at a top club I'm not sure the fans have always been 100% sold on this. They're used to, okay, the ownership might have changed, but they're used to winners. They're used to seeing winning football, and they're not seeing it at the moment. And I don't know how much longer. He's going to get a bit of time, obviously. But if, you know, they're 10 points off the top four already. If they lose again to Manchester City, you could write off the top four already by sort of, you know, the beginning of February. And, And if they're in that position... I'm not sure how much the fans are going to have patience with Graham Potter if if, if they're languishing in mid-table, especially when you consider that they're going to spend an awful lot of money on on, on a very expensively assembled squad. Uh, Let's take a look at the predictions, shall we? No surprise, everyone is going for a City victory. Uh, apart from me, trying Uh-oh. to be smarty pants. Nil-nil. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, Steve, the, the only <laughs> thing you could take as a positive from Chelsea nil, going nil. into this... I, I just... Look, the reason I say that is that City haven't been very good recently. They beat Leeds, obviously, struggled against Everton, who we know are horrible. Before the break, they were dropping points. I just don't feel they're they're anywhere near their best. Yeah. I'm not going to argue that point, but at the same time, you've got to think Chelsea's going to be coming out, which is going to leave space. You know, the, the one thing you can get away with sometimes against City is just by packing it in and the fact that there's no space for them to play in the final third. That isn't going to happen against Chelsea. And so if you're going to if you're going to give the likes of Haaland space, you better you better be prepared to be busy. So that's why I just don't see how it's a nil nil. And and I absolutely agree with every single thing that's just been said. This has got this Chelsea side has zero zero that Potter has put on it. It doesn't look like a Potter side whatsoever. It looks like a, it actually looks like a team right now that doesn't have a manager. It looks like there's an interim in there because there's there's nothing about Chelsea that, that looks fluent or organised or settled. And so if I'm saying that and they're playing against Man City and they're going to give them space, Danny Boy, forget nil-nil. Okay. All right, then. (laughs) Put that in the bank, ready for tomorrow. Uh, James, looking at it, um, obviously we discussed a lot over the last few days the possibility of Enzo coming in, and it looked very close to getting over the line. However, as we go to air, there are suggestions that the whole deal has collapsed. Yeah, this is a funny one because there's conflicting messages coming out of either end of it. Um, You know, Benfica are in a strong negotiating position because they have this... Uh, 120 million euro release clause, which um, they are insistent that they they want met, and they know that Chelsea have got a lot of money that they're prepared to you know consider such a figure. Um, but Chelsea, I think, are also probably wary to some extent of being taken advantage of a little bit in the market. And there is also in the background financial fair play rumbling along here. You know, Chelsea spent 270 odd million in the summer. They're looking to spend big again in January, and. Part of the issue around the Fernandez deal is that they wanted to structure this uh, in a series of payments over a number of years rather than give the whole 
the whole whack up front, which is what Benfica feel they're in a position to demand. So, you know, that might prove too great an obstacle for Chelsea. But, you know, we are still early in the window and there is there is still time. But, um, you know, Todd Bowley is, is someone who, if he gets to a point where he doesn't feel he can he can go any further in a negotiation, he'll just kill it and move to someone else. And, you know, Chelsea have got a long list of targets. As I say, they want to get active. They want to get busy. If they feel they can't get this one done, then they will send their attentions elsewhere. <laughs> They want to get active, they want to get busy. How dangerous is that, James, considering what we've seen from them already, where it feels like the top bowler's just got a blindfold on and throwing darts? Yeah, I, so the sort of the, the club argument to that is that, well, uh, the philosophy that binds it all together is that we're trying to sign young players on long-term contracts. And I, and I can sort of see that, uh, you know, as a, as, a, as a guiding principle. But if you look at some of the profiles of the players that they're looking for, you know, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure Enzo Fernandez was on their radar before the World Cup. You know, it does smack a little bit of, hang on, this guy's been brilliant in the team that's won the World Cup. Let's go and get him. Um, and I think there's one or two others. You know, I know, for example, Rafael Leao in the summer, you know, three days before the end of the transfer window, they contacted AC Milan and made a verbal offer. And I spoke to people at Milan about that sort of a few weeks afterwards and sort of said, well, look, you know, if we'd been told earlier in the summer that they were going to come in at the off the sort of level that they were talking about three days before the end, if they'd said that six weeks earlier, we might have been able to, to do the deal and get someone in to replace them. But because they left it so late, there was no chance for us to act. And that was another example of this sort of dart throwing that you're, that you're suggesting. But I think what they're trying to do here is get, get active earlier in the window get to that point and then decide if they're not going to pay the money, they can go elsewhere. Yeah. Mm. Can I, can well, I see, you know, can I see your technique question. again? Well, my darts. Yeah. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah, uh, the release yeah, point. Is really yeah, you are. Did you see the, the darts yesterday? No, I don't watch darts. Oh, it's incredible. <laughs> Nine dart finish between the two of them. It could have happened in the final, Ali. Oh, what really... are you talking oh, about? Then, no, then, it's, then, it's incredible. Then. Incredible. Go, go, go on, Mario. Then. No, I had a question at James because what he said, you know, regarding uh, some of the players that they go after, but you know that they also got the two midfielders, right? They are running out of contract. So I think the, the, the situation, you know, with uh, Jorginho, of course, in the situation and Conte, I think this is going to be an interesting topic. And I think why they're pushing so hard is because I have a feeling, I mean, and I'm sure, uh, you know, you guys must have thought about that. Paulie wants his own team. He clearly wants the, the, the guys that were really instrumental in the team uh, when, when Tuco was there, when Lampard was there. He wants to have his own team. Everybody at the club has to be his and everybody on the field has to be his or either do the things that he likes them to do. And if they're not, there clearly is no place for them. And I think that's what he's working on really hardly to making sure that his identity is in this football club and in this football team. And I think that's why he's pushing so hard to get this midfielder in to the club, regarding his, if the guy is, because now it's come on. Clearly, everybody knows about his talent. It is great. Mm. But away from that, guys, pushing so hard, there must be some more in this play. Uh, Chelsea's going to be interesting to watch over the transfer window. Of course, James will be all over it. James, I get the feeling either that the rest of your house was decorated and you're like, I'll just leave the tree up. That is it, to appease everybody else. Or you've just stuck a tree there in your office to make it look somehow festive. 
Uh, no, when we did the screen test, it wasn't in shot. When we did the live show, it's a wider angle. So I've been turned over there. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's, it's a bear tree. It's a bear tree. It's got, uh, it has some holes in oh, it. it, it yes, yeah, it's, it's not the best. Uh, no. James, uh, thank you very much. What a weekend of football we have for you on ESPN right across the board because it's the third round of the FA Cup. Every single one of those matches is live on Plus. All starting on Friday with United against Everton you got Liverpool against Wolves on Saturday and then City against Chelsea on Sunday. As well as that, some massive games in La Liga that include Villarreal against Real Madrid and Atleti against Barcelona. And we know that Lewandowski will not be available. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Feeling like you need a marketing degree and an extra day in your week to successfully market your small business? Let Constant Contact do the heavy lifting for you. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has powerful tools that make it easy to grow your audience, engage your customers, and sell more to boost your business. Now, in just a few clicks, you can launch a marketing campaign that's tailored to your business and goals. That includes email, social, SMS, and more. So you can sell more, raise more, and fast-track your business growth. Plus, you can always count on Constant Contact's award-winning customer support for guidance along the way. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Constant Contact. Helping the small stand tall. Well, I tell you what, Serie A returned with a bang, didn't it, today after the winter break. Uh, goals all round, but tight, tight matches. AC Milan with that big win against, uh, uh, I can never say, Salernitana. Well, are you, yeah, you were close. It, Salernitana. There you go, you ah. see. I don't have the, quite the same ring uh, that it should have. Especially okay, a 2-2 draw against Atalanta. Lecce beat Lazio by two goals to one. Cremonense defeated by Juventus. And what about Inter? The late game, the big game, beating Napoli by one goal to nil. Napoli, of course, absolutely flying at the top of the table. They remain five points clear. But a big statement from Inter, who closed the gap to seven points at the top of the table. And finally, Messi back hey! at PSG. Where's uh, you been? Nice scenes. One of the yes. nice scenes with Neymar and everyone. Oh, yeah, oh, there, yes. he there he is. Uh, no, Mbappe, of course. Oh, He's in New York at the moment. Oh, what? What's he doing? He was taking some of the uh, entertainment in Times Square. There was oh, a video of him doing that. Went to the right. basketball, didn't he? With Excellent. A yeah. Well, good job, Keely. There we are. Lovely. The Take team is break. training. Say again. Is the team training? I don't know what's going on. I don't know the intricacies oh. of it all. Uh, <laughs> just a reminder then, we'll be back tomorrow. But stay tuned as Extra Time is next. Welcome into the latest edition of Extra Time. Thank you as always for your questions. Ali with us here in the studio, Stevie Nicol, and for the first time in 2023, Mario Maschio is with us as well. Mario, how is the new year treating you? Oh, my very good. It's cold where I am, but it doesn't matter. Beyond that, I'm happy, man, with my family. You have your family around you, your lady around you. Everything's good. 
Oh, look how happy Mario is. It's a very different vibe to say the nickel house. Yes, (laughs) nearly as happy. I thought Mario Mario lived in California. Oh, he's in Amsterdam (laughs) at the moment. All right. Well, sounds great for being cold then. Well, there we go. Okay. That's nice again, again, that positive energy coming yeah. through the camera. Uh, Mario, who will be the key player tomorrow for Chelsea's clash with Manchester City? Um, Sterling. I think, you know why I call Sterling? And I'm going to give you a reason for that. Every time you play against your old team, it's either you're hot or you're very cold. And why you're cold is because you're playing against your own emotions. And I think knowing Sterling, he will have a moment where he says, I'm going to prove to you guys, you let me go. I wanted to go regardless of how the situation went, but I'm going to prove to you that you needed me more than I needed you. And whatever the outcome is, this will be in his mind for sure. Every player had that. No professional player ever played against his old team and said, I'm not going to turn up and try to do my best. No, he's going to try to do more than his best. Sterling's good champ. He's going to well, it is, but, but Mario just mentioned emotions. I think this is an emotional pick. Right from Mario himself, because if you look at this logically and objectively, that center back pairing dealing with Erling Haaland and everybody else that is around Erling Haaland would have to be at their very best. And if we focus even further up the field, whoever plays in the middle of midfield for Chelsea has to be at their very best. They are going to be challenged in every which way. I think they're going to have a difficult time. Stevie, who's the key player? Kepa. Oh, ah, there he is. Oh. <laughs> What's his surname? Ariza Balaga. Yeah! Take that, smarty pants! There you go. I'm so proud. I'm not so sure about Sterling. Every single time Sterling's gone back to Anfield, he has absolutely bottled it. And the only Ooh. time he's played well for City at Anfield was when there was no crowd. So, I'm not so sure about that one, Mario. Isn't the game at Stamford Bridge? Emotions, Emotions, Steve. Emotions, Ali said it. If the emotions are wrong, you will have a bad one. If they're good, he's going to do it. Yeah. It's it's at home, though. It's at Stamford Bridge this time, Steve, as opposed to Anfield. Well, it hasn't played particularly well uh, for City against Liverpool uh, at, uh, at Manchester City either. He's That's very convincing. Every time. <laughs> Stevie, what does the, we discussed this, of course, on the show. What does the recent U.S. men's national team drama mean for Gio Reyna? How will he look to future teams after this? Mm. Listen, Bert Halter will go, another manager will come in, Gio will play well, score a goal, and on, and on we go. Like everything else, it soon it soon quickly disappears into the past. Oh, there we go, sensible answer. Mm. Uh, Ali, what exactly can Barca hope to achieve this season? And at what point are we going to start questioning Xavi's tactics and coaching? Well, I think we've already started certainly asking questions of Xavi and saying, hold on a sec. Barcelona, they essentially risked their future with the investments that they made in bringing players that you wanted. Those players are now available to you and you get eliminated in the group stage of Champions League. That in itself is a failure for Barcelona. So if we manage to put that to the side, the only way that that gets put to the side is if Barcelona go on to win the league. 
And even then, he'll be asked questions about Champions League. But the only way in which Xavi is not asked questions in terms of the development of this team and where this team should be and where he should be as a manager is if Barcelona go on to win the league. But beating, barely beating Intercity in Copa del Rey, a team from the third tier in Spain, in extra time, 4-3, is going to bring up a lot of questions. And it's going to continue until this team shows some level of consistency, which they haven't done. Uh, meanwhile, Mario, Conte goes with the release the Kraken philosophy tonight, and it worked. Will this continue, or will Spurs fall back to their offensive melee? Look, that's just... The, the, when, when they say falling back, he's not going away from it because that's the way he plays. When he was at Chelsea, we know how he, he likes to play. Sits back, plays counter-attack. He only looking for players. If he's got some good wingers, then he, you can be the player. But if he doesn't... He already said it himself too. He said, my tactical is set on Kane and Son. I cannot criticize them because those are the main guys. So him sitting back? No. That's a normality. It's not going to change. If Bellingham does end up at Real Madrid, Ali, mm. would the Bellingham, Chuameni, Valverde, Camavinga be the best midfield in Europe? Well, the best version of those players. Right. And, and if we project into the future what they will become, yes. then you can make an argument, a comfortable argument, that yes, indeed, the potential of that group of players is for that midfield to become the best in Europe. But in order for those guys to play with a certain level of consistency, Luka Modric has to slow down, which he hasn't done. No. And Tony Cruz has slowed down a little bit more than Luka Modric has, but he's still going to play ahead of them. So Chuameni is the one that has, a, I think, the first opportunity to take hold of the position and say, yeah, I'm going to be here for a decade. And he has done a pretty good job so far. Hasn't been great, but has been pretty good. And I think he's only going to get better. All those guys that you just mentioned, including including Fede Valverde, who I think has become a critical piece of the success yeah. of Real Madrid and will be for years to come. All those guys, if you project what they will be in, say, five years' time, yeah, they could very well be the best midfield in Europe. Mario, obviously Jude Bellingham is loving life at the moment. He can pretty much choose wherever he wants to go. If you were him, where would you choose? Look, if I, 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 you know, like this was funny that you guys asked me this because this was asked to me before. If Real Madrid comes across, guys, you know, like some opportunities come across maybe one time and after that there will be a critical situation. I will pick that moment. Real Madrid is something special. Then we go back to England. He came from England. So if he's got still that mark in saying like, hey, I got to prove my point, then I don't, I'm not surprised him going to England. If not, Real Madrid, go there you know, cement your legacy and then make a movement wherever you want to go afterwards or stay there forever. I think all the players that's been there, I have not heard a player saying to me, it's a bad place to go. They look very happy when they are there and when they left too. Uh, have you um, heard of a player called Eden Hazard, Mario? Mm. Yeah, he's um, oh, yes. so happy. <laughs> I've heard of a player, but Eden didn't look really sad. He looked happy for being there, but he looked sad for not performing there. That's a ah. whole different issue. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Gareth Bale, oh, no, no. Oh, he, he was happy. And he enjoyed he was it. Very happy. Very I like when Mario leans into the camera. Very happy. Very happy. <laughs> <laughs> More than uh, happy. Oh, Eddie, God. I mean, did, would oh, love to no, go. I'm telling you. <laughs> Steve, you agree you should go to Real Madrid over Liverpool? 
Well, let's be honest, Dan. If some, even you would choose Real Madrid over Liverpool. Right, right. now, are you kidding? Yes. Liverpool, Liverpool may not get in the top four. So why would you not choose Real Madrid? Yeah, they're, they're, they're sitting about as cute and, and such a good position. I mean, the last question tells you how good a position they're in. Look at the young talent yeah. they've got. Look at the old talent they've got. They've got money. I mean, why would you not go there? My yeah. goodness. How are you, Steve? Are you all right? Yeah, yes. It seems a little down today. Well, I don't like. I, I don't like seeing them. Liverpool are struggling to get in the top four and telling yeah. all the best players to go somewhere else. Obviously, I'd rather have gone to Liverpool. But listen, if you're a player and you've got a choice right now, then it really isn't that difficult a choice, is it? <laughs> See, see, this is a different version of Stevie. And after we have seen the best of extra time oh, yeah. on back-to-back episodes. Yes, yes. It, it, that was a far more entertaining version of Stevie. I think 2023 has been hard. Yes, so far. It's so far. It's, it's taken its But it's, not, it's only going to get better, Dan. It's taken its so. toll. <laughs> should the World, uh, should World Cup 2022-type extra time be introduced in the Premier League, Ali? The Arsenal-Newcastle encounter had the ball in active play for just... 46 minutes and 17 seconds. Well, even within the World Cup, early on, we were getting 10 minutes like it was nothing in every game. (laughs) And I think they sort of corrected themselves towards the end where it wasn't, I suppose, as long in in that added time. Somewhere in the middle, right? We, I don't see what's wrong with it. Well, I don't either. You want to watch football? There's more of it. If there's added time, lovely. Right. And I don't see the problem either. But if you're going to go down this path where everything and every move that the players make in order to waste time is going to be reflected towards the end of the game, then be exact with it. Then stop the clock every time the ball goes out. Take that away from the referee. Have somebody who's a time operator. The moment that the ball goes out, stop it. And you then put they it back add it on at the end. Yeah, and then they add it. On. Well, no, you don't have to add. Because oh, you're stopping you're, you're, it. You're, I'm stopping the clock. Well, that's a whole new conversation. Well, it's a whole new conversation. But if, <laughs> if it is not about wasting time, right. if it is about actual playing time, well, it it would help, wouldn't it? And oh. instead of kind of guessing, well, is this going to be ten or is this twelve? And you just, no. If, <laughs> knowledge, <laughs> knowledge is power. Oh, no, well, they they won't that delay everything a little bit? Game. Huh? Oh, is that Stevie? Sorry, Stevie. Some people are never going to be happy. Is there anybody no. didn't enjoy watching Arsenal Newcastle? Everybody enjoyed it, right? Well, apparently not. But maybe we were so, so short, maybe we could have more what enjoyment. What was wrong with the time? There was nothing wrong with the time. Well, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Think about it rationally. If you're going to have to add on 12 minutes because of time wasting, do you think, do you think you're not going to get any time wasting in the 12 minutes that you, you're, you're sticking on? But you're still getting more minutes so than the 46 just, you're, you're minutes. Po- you're going to poison. Yeah, yeah, let's, 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 let's get more minutes of people. Let's get more minutes of people wasting time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's get more minutes of people wasting time. Yes, great idea. Oh Fantastic God. idea. Yes. It's not wrong with the game. Great. There was some Mario, challenges. People needed time to recover. Shut up, Steve. Mario's talking. So shut if I'm winning, time. no extra time. If I'm losing, you True. better yeah. put the extra time in, guys, because I yeah. want to win. That's well, all. Well, with your Chelsea <laughs> ways, there could be a lot of extra time, and that may, still may not materialise. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, take it away from the referee. Right. Stop the clock every time there's a stop. Right. But then people will just faff, won't they? But the time is not gone. Yes, but then, you know, they waste time, take a drink, have a chat. 
It's, it's, is, that, is that what they're going to do yes, with it? Yes. They're going to have a drink, have a chat. Yes. Let's get on with it. A pot of the ball in. <laughs> sort it out. Okay, where are we? Final question. Know. In honour of Dan's high chair, that was somebody who tweeted in extra time yesterday. Uh-huh. That was their handle. Okay. Suggesting that I'm short. Okay. Uh-huh. Well, suggesting. Five foot nine, thank you. Well. What was the funniest? <laughs> yeah, right. I said that. <laughs> Unofficially five nine. What was the funniest or yeah. craziest nickname of a former teammate? Now, your nickname was Bumper Stevie, yeah? Is that right? Aye. Uh, and remind uh, us why that was. Well, it's, it's a, a bit boring, out, actually, like... isn't it? Aye. Aye. No, I, <laughs> well, tell us why it was. I like silly ones. Like, well, bumper. Well, yeah. I said bumper instead of bouncer once, and it's it just stuck. Yeah. Well, so we had, we had like, Kevin McDonald, whose who's actual, whose initial name was Machine Gun Louie. That was his, that was <laughs> wow. his first. But it got <laughs> broken. <laughs> no, yeah. It, it got broken down to Louie, so we just called him Louie. But initially it was Machine Gun Louis, so he turned up once in a suit. He was like a, yeah. somebody out of the mafia, as if he should have been carrying one of the big machine guns, and he should right. have had a hat and all that. And so we called him we called him Machine Gun Louis for about a fortnight, and they just Brilliant. got cut down to Louis. Aye, I love names like that. Fantastic. But what about the big boys? Like, would you ever give, say, Kenny Dalglish a nickname? Well, he actually had a nickname, but nobody had the guts to say it to him. (laughs) (laughs) And can you repeat what it was? Aye. Yeah, it was Bash. Kevin Moran caved his face in, in a game, basically. So he had a big Bash face for a bit. (laughs) So we used to call him Bash. (laughs) Nobody ever called him Bash to his face. (laughs) <laughs> oh dear. And did you when you were coaching the Revs, Stevie, did you anoint nicknames to people? Oh yes, absolutely. Well, Abduliman Sally was called It's a bit like as Aspelaquet is called Dave. Yeah. His, his full name is just you can't uh, yeah. So so Abduliman Sally just became Kenny for oh, some no. reason. Oh, we're losing I mean, you, Steve. We have some internet like problems. <laughs> Almost as if they were, they were censoring your ass. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. We were walking a fine line. <laughs> Mario, best best nicknames you've heard during your time? I, I, I don't. I, I, had, I had a silly one myself. They called me Maz, but I, it wasn't like something I can bring up now and say, like, oh, that one was funny. They called only Maz, they say, they call him the wall. And in the beginning, when I was there, I didn't get it. But then I saw people b- bouncing off him. Then I understood he was definitely right. a wall because no one could just walk up to me. Even the great Alan Shearer got knocked on his shoulder once, and he told him, he said, "If you kick my friend one more time, I'm going to kick you myself." And you know who was his friend? Frank LaBeouf. It was oh. in the f- and we were playing the, the semi-final of the FA Cup. And we were on the field, and I looked at him, I said, why are they talking? And Mazda said, stop kicking my friend, because if you kick him one more time, I'm going to play against you. It doesn't matter if you go left or right, I will follow you. And he stopped. Wow, I love it. Because I think Shira broke Frank's nose three times or something. Oh, but he's recovered. Yes, <laughs> some brilliant nicknames that we know, but we can't repeat. Yeah, <laughs> but we can. We won't be here tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. We won't repeat them. What's a guy from Ecuador? What a, what a gro- 
big guy, big guy, and and his nickname was the Shadow, right? And right. I never quite fully understood it up until I was playing with my back to goal and he was behind me, right? And the lighting was in, in such a position at the time that I, all I saw was his body shape over me <laughs> as I'm trying to hold on to the ball. And in that moment, I was like, oh, well, there yeah. he is. Yes, yeah. <laughs> big guy, yeah. intimidating guy. I shouldn't tell you who scored in that game, but... Oh, my Why goodness. Not? There you are. Should I tell you? Yes. Boom, Venezuela! Oh, my goodness me. Oh, dear. Uh, Stevie, did you want to say something? No, I was thinking one of Bruce's. Bruce's was, was called Hound Dog. Right. I'll leave it at that. Oh, okay. <laughs> right, there we go. Yeah, nice I can't tell you. Yeah, I can't Brilliant. Thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It had nothing to do with Elvis. <laughs> right, it's good. Oh, Thank you. Right, quick, put the thing up. Please. Wait, quickly. <laughs> right, guys, he's still making noises. Tommy, put it up. Uh, ESPN FC is back on your screens tomorrow to reflect on City against Chelsea. Be sure to join us. Can you remember the last time you had fun on a bike ride? Lecture e-bikes, the number one seller of e-bikes in America, is here to bring fun and joy back to biking. Their riders routinely say they feel like kids again riding these bikes. And one even said, I'm a 46-year-old man and can honestly say I haven't had this much fun on a bike since I was 10 years old. These e-bikes from Electric are fast, up to 28 miles an hour. They offer lightweight and foldable e-bikes so you can easily take them on the go to explore national parks, campgrounds and more. Even if you don't have a truck, trailer or bike rack, many of their models will fit in the trunk of a car. They also offer long-range batteries that provide over 65 miles of range so you can explore further and longer. Head over to electricebikes.com today and take their bike quiz to find a model that's perfect for your needs. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com.